1: Hello, Master Plan world. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's very cool to have so many of you out there listening. Thank you. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Last time we explored the world of private equity, so buying, building and selling e-commerce businesses with Murray Priestley. It was a fascinating chat, so well worth a look after you've listened to this one. If you've got questions about what Murray was talking about or anything else e-commerce based, then please do ask them in our Facebook group. It's called eCommerce Masterplan World and you can find it via eCommerceMasterplan.com forward slash Facebook or surprisingly enough, search for it on Facebook. Be great to see you in there. Make sure you answer the questions or you won't be allowed in. This podcast is sponsored by DotMailer, the SaaS marketing platform that enables companies to create, test and send data-driven automated campaigns, including email, of course. Now, if you head over to DotMailer.com, you can get a free platform demo or have a trial. And in the resources library, you can also get for free the white paper I recently wrote on artificial intelligence in email. That's all at DotMailer.com. Now let me introduce you to today's special guest. Craig Wolf is the president at Celebri Ducks, the world's number one rubber duck manufacturer. Oh yes. Now they launched in 1997 and have now sold millions and millions of ducks, selling via wholesale and direct-to-consumer on their website. Hello, Craig.
0: Hello, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh know, it's great to have you. In. I love a, a niche or a niche product, and, uh, and Ducks certainly is it. Now, um,
0: uh, yes.
1: I've given our listeners a super quick overview of you and your business and what you're currently up to, but how did you get involved in Ducks and e commerce?
0: Well, you know, before I got into ducks, I was uh, publishing artwork from television commercials you know, for Coke and Budweiser and M&M Mars. I had this idea that you could take the artwork you know, from their commercials that people see and love those characters, like the Coke bears, the Budweiser lizards and frogs, and you could put them as artwork like Disney does or Warner Brothers with their artwork, animation cells. It never really been done And it really got, you know, it blew up. It became, you know, really successful for us. And that was our business until a friend, a little bit inebriated, at a party, had this idea. What if you can make rubber ducks that look like celebrities? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm convinced 90% of the people would have said, I don't know. But you know what? I had the extra money, the time, and I called King Features, who owned the rights to Betty Boop. And I got the head of licensing right on the phone for for North America. I said, mm-hmm. I had this idea. I want to make a rubber duck of Betty Boop. You could hear a pin drop. <laughs> you know, like she knew she had someone crazy on the phone. How do you get rid of them and be diplomatic at the same time? You know, it was like, make your little rubber duck, send it to us. We'll talk. Goodbye. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I had the time, the money, somehow figured out how to get one made and send it to her. And then months, you know, a while back, I come in the morning, the lights blinking message and, and I listen. And it's, it says, hello, it's Itha Goldsman from King Features. We got your little duck. It's really cute. Let's talk. Wow. That was the beginning of the whole thing, you know. So it all <laughs> with started with duck. a Betty
1: Boop duck.
0: It did. That was the first one. In fact, this year we'll probably coming up, we'll retire her after 20 years. That's been the longest running duck in the whole line.
1: Wow. And then um, it all began. Right at the very beginning, obviously, you'd had a business selling to consumers beforehand. We're right the it way did. back in 1997. So I'm guessing you weren't selling on the web at that time.
0: No, for the most part, we were selling a lot of these people like coca-cola, and M&M Mar, you know, like budweiser, they had their own catalogs so I was selling back to them for their catalogs. They were doing very well in their own channels cuz I was picking pe- companies that already had big channels of interest in their products, people like m&m's, who like coca-cola. So it was um it was pretty successful and and you know that was pretty much our our core business just marketing, you know, and to stores. And back to the own channels of these companies and also i wait you know in the u.s we have these shopping networks like home shopping network oh, yeah. qvc i was doing i was flying to tampa and pennsylvania because i'm in california doing shows there also of uh, this artwork you know so we was really it, had a wide reach pre-internet
1: so it was a pretty wholesale activity yeah. you were selling the product to someone else who had pretty much customers. almost
0: almost all wholesale yes exactly
1: So when did you first decide to start selling direct then?
0: You know, um, with the art, we pretty much didn't. Um, And then with the ducks, once it got going, you know, um, then we realized, you know, when the internet, you're right, the internet started growing right around the same time. So we kind of slowly, you know, and it still stayed mostly wholesale. But as it grew and grew, we became more and more, we could market, you know, websites became a big deal. So that's when we created com And then our, a lot of our business came there. And then a lot of the wholesalers we sold to were selling on the internet, on their websites. So that became a big part of our business to the point now where, you know, Amazon's probably, the Amazon website's probably our biggest seller. And people don't even buy as much on our website because they buy from our resellers. On mm-hmm. places like Amazon and so forth.
1: Well, of course. Cool. So are you FBAing into Amazon or are you treating them as another wholesale customer?
0: Um, there, the, we, what we had is we opened it up to all the Amazon sellers, and that's just what's happening right now. We had so many that it was like the wild, wild west. It was really <laughs> hard to control map pricing. You know, people would try and sell it a few pennies under the other guy. So finally we made a decision you know, just recently with one of the biggest uh, wholesalers on Amazon that he would handle – they would handle the whole Amazon account for us. And we told anyone else they could sell on Amazon anywhere around the world but not in the USA and so the FBA is really reserved for now our main Amazon seller. So we kind of changed our business model to make it um, so we control the look of the brand, and we didn't have that type of undercutting of of different vendors. So that's how we're handling Amazon at this point.
1: Got you. And it, it's an evolving thing. I know for a lot of manufacturers and wholesalers, it's kind of how do we deal with the marketplaces and the and our own and ending up becoming the police of our own resellers. Right.
0: Exactly, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to spend my day playing whack a mole, you know, trying <laughs> to, you know, always be on the phone trying to, you know, have. And so I went, and you know, it, it's too bad because there are a lot of people I work with for years and years. And I felt really bad, but I said to them, I said, you know, if you have a store, they still will sell really well in your store. You know, hmm. let me do this test with this one seller. And if it goes well, it's good. And if not, we'll come back. We'll open it up again. But, but the point is, you can still sell them if you have a store. Now, the people who don't have a store, that was unfortunate. But although they could still sell them on their own website, it's just that they couldn't sell on Amazon. But as people realize, you know, in the U.S. anyway, Chloe, Amazon is like the 100-pound 800 pound gorilla in the room. Everybody wants to buy on Amazon because they get prime and free shipping. And, you know, I can hardly get sales on my own website, you know, (laughs) because they they buy it from my reseller. You're probably thinking, well, why didn't I just go to Amazon and do it myself, make more money, right? Instead of selling wholesale. Um, But, you know, I realized, you know, better to, you know, work with people who can do a better job in the areas where you're not as skilled. These guys are really experts on how to work the whole Amazon thing and, and the system. And it really is a complicated system once you get into it. Yeah, so I a, figured let us It's another people...
1: whole business model, isn't it? Basically? It's
0: another whole business model. And I realized I wasn't prepared. You know, we're also considered the top custom duck manufacturer in the world. So I'm always doing custom work for everyone from the Yankees to SeaWorld. Amazon's <laughs> even one of my clients who came to us to create ducks for them. There's Zappos shoe division. So I'm so busy here with other jobs. I go, let the people who are good at what they do, do that mm-hmm. and make a little bit less and just sell to them wholesale. Don't be greedy. You know, do do what you do best in your niche and, and, and associate with people who do what's best in their niche. And that model has worked very well for me.
1: Cool. Let's just clear up a few details about what the business is doing right now. So you're based in the States. And I, I g- I'm guessing you, you have custom customers, retail customers all over the world?
0: All over the world, yes, all over the world, we do custom work for people because we're we're pretty much the. I mean, I don't say this and just fool myself, but we pretty much are. Uh, we're considered the best at doing this, and one of the reasons is we put so much detail in our ducks. You know, Chloe, here's the thing: rubber ducks are huge. It's a huge market. I knew that there's a gazillion of them coming out of China, and I knew anybody can always make something cheaper. I decided not to compete. But the way I would bulletproof my niche was to make the best, the most detail. I put them in gift boxes. I do a level of detail. I knew that they would never try and duplicate in China because I realized that people will always make things cheaper there, but they won't go upscale. And I realized that would really bulletproof the niche and make our stuff really special. And, and it's really worked that way to the point where people started coming to us to say, can you make that for our brand, for our mascot, you know, and, and that we can give away at trade shows or for our company to sell. I mean, so it really the custom side of it really grew. The other thing is, if you want a custom duck, most companies, they want at least three to five thousand units. And even then, the quality is going to be really questionable. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones in the world who will do just a run of 1,000 units in a gift box, no less. And nobody will do that. So we offer something for the smaller clients. So in other words, we opened up an avenue to have your own custom duck that nobody else could do, which really accelerated our growth.
1: I love the fact that you're so clear on what you're bringing to the marketplace. You know, it's about the best possible custom ducks and like you were saying you leave amazon to your amazon guys to your you know right. your, your wholesale customers the right. person who is you know the yankees marketing director who wants a rubber duck in yankees colors and looking like a yankee um they mm-hmm. they don't want to have to do the design do they they don't want the, so they're no. not going to go out to china they want someone who then go to and go we Look, do it. this is who we are yeah we make right, us the perfect exactly. duck.
0: That 's right, and you know being we 're the only rubber duck company in else you know pretty much in 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 the West, you know we do all our artwork and sculpting in the u s a nobody does that, and then when it comes to doing final production, we say we can do it at our factory in New York, our factory in Michigan, but I say eighty percent ninety percent will want us to finish it at our small family owned factory in China because of the price, the detail is so complex that we made some of those ducks. Finished them in our US factories, they would be almost like five, five, at least five times, ten times the cost. So we're a hybrid. You know, we do part of it here, part of it there, sometimes all of it here. But the thing is, you know, we're so accessible to people. They can call us, they can write to us. You know, it's like, They're not used to working with a company like that. We can turn on a dime because we're smaller. You know, we're not like we have layers and layers of bureaucracies. And that type of customer service has really been good for us because we can make deadlines and turn around. You know, with a big company, a huge company, trying to make changes, there's so many layers of bureaucracy. It's like turning the Titanic. It takes forever. (laughs) With us, we can change in a day, you know, in a a moment. I mean, we can do things on the fly that is very unusual for most companies.
1: So the... The ducks are a mixture of licensed items and your own ideas as well. I would guess.
0: Yes, absolutely. We have a whole new line, a parody line, which is probably our top-selling line. You see, that's all parody. It started with. I was. Do you know the TV series Breaking Bad? Yes,
1: we have is that. In the UK. You see, I mean,
0: we going... Want- one of my favorites. One of my favorites. So I did one, like a little duck in a hazard suit. He's not making meth. He's making little blue soaps, if you know the show. And it was really cute. And my lady sees it. She goes, well, that's really cute. She goes, well, if you can do a parody of that, you know, there's all these other other celebrities and films coming out. Couldn't you? And before you knew it, we had... Thirty of them. I'm mean, thirty. It was unheard of. Wow. We had spa wars. We had we had goosebusters. She comes up with the <laughs> names of them. We had give geese a chance. You know, Mister Squawk, Harry Ponder. I mean, you know, it was crazy. You know, and and you know, one of the biggest sellers, which I didn't see. I'm watching the debates, the presidential debates. I had done Clinton, did Obama, and a, a a client came to us to do uh, President Trump, and then they got scared, really? as a lot of people do. They got scared. You know, what are people going to think if we're supporting Trump? And I said, well, you know, what, I'm already into the job. They backed out of it. I think I'm going to do it. I'm watching the debates here in the U.S. And, oh, it was wild, the things that were being said. I turned to my lady. I go, oh, my God, you think we'll be all right? She goes, double the order. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, Chloe, it's our top selling duck. We have maybe sold, you know, over 10,000 of them at this point. Um, it really has been a hit. And we sell a lot of them overseas.
1: I, I would imagine it's selling to both the fans and the non-fans. Exactly without, right. Without getting you know, any more political than that.
0: yes, <laughs> exactly right. We hit everyone both sides of the aisle. And um, so that one does really well. So basically... You know, it just really expanded with the costume quackers. We still do the licensed one. We do the, I work with John Belushi's brother, and we do the Blues Brothers for all the House mm-hmm. of Blues. We work with Gene Simmons of Kiss. We do the Kiss rubber duck. We did the whole band at one point, and now we just do Gene, because I, I didn't want to keep doing four at one time. We used to do Elvis. with. The, we had a, a license with Graceland, So we have done a lot of licensing, especially in the past. Um, that's been a big part of what we do.
1: And all your B2B customers, are they all serviced – uh manually do you have an online site for them as well as you have one for the retailers or is it no we don't
0: i mean we we basically just have that one site and then we we have a wholesale section where for for retail people who want to resell and go to the wholesale section read about it and then we encourage them just to call us or write us we send them back a little letter we're so simple there's nothing to sign into i mean it's just literally we are so like we'd like to talk to you and we can get someone set up in one day. There's not all these forms or anything. We make it really, really easy. We like to pride ourselves on what we feel as being one of the easiest companies, vendors will ever work with. And we keep our minimums really low. So even the little small seller, the guy who has just a tiny little store, tiny website, maybe he's even selling at flea markets, mm-hmm. he gets the same amount of attention as, as, as an Amazon or a SeaWorld or our biggest clients. We don't distinguish small versus large. I've never really valued people who did that. You know. And, and even when I do – I was telling you, Chloe, earlier in interviews, the person who's trying to do, to do a, their, their project for school, a you know, little 10-year-old and wants to interview me for their paper, and the New York Times will get equal attention. I've always felt that was a way to do business, everybody equal, And it's worked really well for me. And, you know, whether it's a good business model, I don't know. But you know what? Humanly, it works for me anyway.
1: Cool. And have you got any plans on adding a B2B website to your portfolio so those customers can just log on, place their order and away they go?
0: Well, you know, I don't know at this point, but I, I know like, you know, we, just give you an example, we mm-hmm. have a collegiate has been really huge for us. We did all these college mascots, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, if you know yeah. the, all the schools in America, all the big schools, and then they all sold out. And I was so busy bringing the industry back to America. I didn't renew all the licenses. And then, but they did great for us. At one point, I think we did a test at JC Penney. We sold like hundred thousand of those mascot ducks in like two months. It was crazy. And then um, a company came to us and they said, "Listen, can you be our manufacturer? will partner up. Can you, we, we want to bring all the Collegiate ducks back? But we want to do them as we call rubber tubbers, like ducks floating on. You know, I mean, they're mascots now floating kickback on an inner tube. Mm-hmm. So I said, absolutely. So we're bringing back all the Collegiate licensing but they're going to get the licensing and we'll do all the manufacturing and we'll bring it back in and they're probably going to have a b2b website for they yeah. actually will have that where first can log in and do exactly what you're saying because i do know a lot of people they, they they do like that you are correct
1: and um the plat let's, let's take take a talk about your actual b2c e-commerce site what platforms that one on is it on a bespoke I- one or a
0: I use Volusion, and the reason I use Volusion is because I, Chloe, I'm not tech savvy. To be really honest with you, um, you know, I guess I'm an older generation, and Volusion, you know, is something. Two things: one, I can make the changes easily myself. It's 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 very intuitive, very in, friendly, you know, user friendly, very intuitive, and the other thing is 24 seven tech support. I can get to a live person oh, nice. who can help me or make, do things with me, and for me, that's really important. You know, whoever I did my platform is, I got to be able to talk to them. I know a lot of companies you can't talk to someone. I'd be advertising on Facebook if I could ever get to a live person. <laughs> Billion dollar company, they can't give you a phone number to talk to somebody. I never say anything like it. These days, people just want to do on the, on, uh, by the Internet. I don't. I do things. I want to talk to someone. So if I can talk to someone you know, um, that's a big plus for me. And Volusion had that customer service and really good customer service. So I picked them as my provider because I could always get the help I need. And if I didn't, if I did want to make changes, and I I could do a lot of it myself. So that was really important ease of use.
1: And have you put any particular widgets or plugins into that Volusion site? Are you kind of using it as it came out the box?
0: I pretty much use it as it came out of the box. You know, we do also use, I do use two things. I use the Volusion for the store site and I use WordPress for the the overview. Of the, like if you go to com, you're on WordPress and there are a lot of plugins and we keep updating them. And then once you go into the store, com, you've moved over to the Volusion site. So I use WordPress for the general overview of the store and Volusion for the, um, for the buying part of it.
1: Cool. And, um, and what does your team look like? How many of you are there?
0: You're not going to believe this, this Chloe. Though I own the whole company. Mm-hmm. Technically, I am the only one in the company. I know it's hard to believe. How can you become wow. the top reproductive manufacturer in the world? I tell you this because I want other people to know what's possible. Yeah, yeah, that no, um, sounds really interesting. I've, um, I, I am a, a outsourcing you know, I, I like to think of myself as outsourcing king. I find you can find the best people all over the world to work with you. If you know how to communicate with people and work with people, these days, I always say, a laptop and a cell phone, I could run this business on a, sitting on the beach at Waikiki in Hawaii. I go, that's what you need, an ability to communicate and be able to – You know, you have to be very organized. But if you can do that, you can find the best people. My warehouse is in Ohio. Is in Akron. My my art departments in Cincinnati. My bookkeeper, my whole, you know, the financial mm-hmm. part is in California. I have one factory in New York. I have one factory in Michigan. I have the other one in China. I mean, everybody is somewhere. I Half the people I'm working with, we pass each other on the street. We might not recognize one another. <laughs> and I've been working with these people forever, the same traffic brokers, yeah. my truckers. I really have it wired in of the best in each of these areas. And and for some reason, because I, I do find, commu- and this is it, if you want to run this business, model, you have to be kind of an extrovert and you have to be a people person. You have to like people. You have to be able to manipulate, uh, you know, be able to talk to people Mm -hmm. all the time and keep all the balls floating in the air. But if you can do that, then you have the ability to build a huge business without all the overhead and infrastructure that brings down so many businesses. So, and not only that, Chloe, not only when film crews do things on our business and come here to film and all... I, they come to my home. I have a three-story home in Marin County. It's a very nice area. It's a beautiful house, but the business is run out of there. So I don't even bring in, have extra office space, employees. City. I don't even have that. This model is so lean and mean, but it really works for me, for my style. So you have to know who you are and what works for you.
1: Oh, so true. I think that's, Um, I did a radio interview yesterday and they asked me, You know, what would I tell my teenage self? I'd say, well, understand what works for you sooner. You know, I kind of worked that out in the end of my 20s. And if I would known it at the beginning of my 20s, I think life would have been very different.
0: Uh, exactly, you know exactly. If I knew what I knew then, I'd do so <laughs> many things so, so differently. you know, but I do know a lot of people these days they just spend so much in overhead and they, they're trying to create a presence, and you, you don 't need to do that. You can build your brand in very lean and mean and let the brand push you to the next level. Hey, listen, Richard Branson works out of his house. Apple started out of their house it 's totally fine you don 't have to be embarrassed these yeah. days it 's very. to do that. And many businesses do and are very successful if you know how to do it right. And you're that type of person who, you know, what your skill sets are. If you're not that type of person, do not do it. You know, go to an office, have a structure. You know, some people can't do it, Chloe. You know, they can't, they get in home and they're just walking around room to room, taking care of the kid. They just can't structure themselves. But if you have that type of internal discipline and it works for you, you could save a fortune and build a mega brand Without having to take on the overhead to do that mega brand and compete with the big boys oh, easily,
1: completely, Craig, you are um, you, you're, you're in me. You are speaking to the converted. So, what,
0: <laughs> I had a feeling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that yeah. what you would say? Is the most awesome thing about your business right now? Or is there something else that's that's really got you excited at the moment? Well, I
0: do love it. You know, I've never, you know, know, when I graduated college, I never knew what I wanted to do. I'm not one of these people who was ever looking to make a lot of money. My generation was all about, we're going to save the world and get enlightened. You know what I mean? It's like making money was like the last thing I was even thinking of. Mm -hmm. So I graduated with like, I I have no degree in business. Honestly, I can barely read a profit and loss statement, being very honest with (laughs) you. But um, if I don't feel passionate about something, I I don't, nothing happens. Um, And Uh, I'll tell you something else. I'm not really a very brave person, but when I feel inspired, I get like King Kong. I'm like fearless. So I'm this really fearful person, but when I'm inspired and feel passionate, it's like something else clicks in. So all my life, when I was trying to figure out what to do, it started because I saw a picture of Mickey Mouse hanging on the wall in a store of just artwork, artwork, Mm -hmm. the hand-drawn artwork. And I said, "You can own the artwork they use in making the original 1930, uh, you know, Disney cartoons." They go, "Yes, they're out there." I go, "That's what I want to do." I was so inspired looking at the original artwork that was the beginning. Buying and selling Disney animation art that led to the years later to the Coca Cola. To all, I mean, and how did the Coca Cola thing happen? Had I have that idea? I was walking by a window, uh, and I saw all these old vintage Coke machines, and I was like an epiphany. I go my god if disney can market their artwork everybody loves coca-cola and this and that i go why don't they market their stuff the same way disney does i called coke Coca- i was like on fire I mean it took me a year they didn't even know what i was talking about <laughs> nobody did m and nobody knew what i was talking about because they'd never done it but mm-hmm. i was so on fire with this idea and you know the images chloe on these commercials were they weren't hand drawn now they're in computers how do you get them out of the computer to get it onto acetate like an animation cell I did not know. But what I do know is how to find people a heck of a lot smarter to me <laughs> and then use them to fill in all my gaps. And that's how I build my business. I associate myself with people a lot smarter, a lot talented, and I have no trouble taking all their feedback and input. I've never cared about any of that. I appreciate that. I know my limitations. And that's how I built that whole animation business. And that's how I built the duck business. So the duck business really expanded in the same way, when my lady said, well, why can't you do these other ducks? But boom, we were having so much fun. It's like being having a party all day long. We could come up with ideas. We're going to do this one. We're going to do that one. Now we're working on the God Feather and the Hunger Game Birds of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, Hunger <laughs> Birds of Thrones. I mean, we just keep coming up with them because it's all just play. As long as it's play, I will spend the money like a drunken sailor, you know, because it's fun. And I'll find a way to make it work because if I'm inspired, I'll make it work.
1: Awesome. Well, it's now time for the top tips round. Before we dive into the top tips, here's a reminder of our sponsor. Are you struggling to see a return on investment from your email comms? Imagine a letter that you know your customer would want to read. Imagine if it could write and send itself at the very moment you know your customer would want to read it. Paper links online behaviour to highly relevant, personalised, tangible media that lands with customers within 48 hours. That's programmatic direct mail, and that's what Paper Planes deliver. Visit flypaperplanes.co.uk to see how it works and quote Masterplan to receive a discount of up to 50% off rate card for any campaigns triggering 10,000 prints or over. Okay, now you all know that I love this section because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Craig, first up, your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Which book? Yeah.
0: I love the, the positioning books by Al Reese and Jack Trout, I believe are their names. It's called Positioning. And they've written a series of books, and it's all about – there's a whole series of them, and every one of them is brilliant. It's all about winning the person, the consumer's mind, not really understanding who you are, what your niche is, and not deviating from your core message of what makes you unique. Not try, The biggest mistake people make in business, to me, Chloe, or one of the biggest, mm. is trying to be all things to all people. Nobody's all things to all people. You think everybody likes the Beatles? You'll find (laughs) half the people in the world don't. You think everyone likes Coca-Cola? Half the people in the world don't. It's never what it seems. Everything, no matter how big it is, only has a certain percent of the market. So what you have to do is really figure out who you are and, and stay really true to your niche. Don't be a big fish in a small pond. I mean, uh, don't try and just try and be this, you know, a little nothing in this huge pond. Really, really own your niche, and that's why I tell people the best way to own your niche and to bulletproof it is to become the best at it. Because here's the things. Here's the thing, Chloe. Live by the penny, die by the penny. There's always somebody, as I was saying earlier, that can make it cheaper. So what you want to do is be so good and so and so uniquely different that people are going to look at it and go, I can't compete. So when I first started doing the animation art with Coca-Cola, I immediately did it with Eminem Mars, Budweiser, Campbell Soup, Pillsbury. I, I locked it all up immediately because I made the point of entry. No one else was going to go get into commercial animation art. I've already locked up all the big properties. You want to do rubber ducks of things that look like, remind you of you know, Elvis Presley or Spa Wars or all these characters. I've already done 30 of them. I move so fast. So what are you going to do? You'll be a cheap knockoff of, of the ones out there. In other words, if you move fast, move hard, and you really bulletproof that niche, you're going to make the point of entry almost impossible for even a big, bigger company to get in.
1: Awesome! Or more awesome advice, um, Craig. The traffic top tip next. Then, which marketing method do you either prize above all others, or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
0: You know, the bet. You know, I have to say, back in the day when I started, there wasn't social media, and that is the game changer today, isn't it? The social media, you get something to go viral. And that's what I love about the Rubber Tubber Company. They're making like little YouTube videos. They know how to work it. They're younger than me, Chloe. You know, they really know how to work it. And so they're using that. I use it to the best of my ability. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Facebook and Twitter, Goes a long way with me i know a lot of people do the instagram and pinterest and have great success we do a little bit we just haven't really maxed it out but these days and i suspect a lot of people listening you know are, are younger and more savvy in that area than i am and they have the time to put into it social media facebook you know as i said twitter instagram all those things today and make a youtube video and promote it that is the future i wouldn't waste time in paid ads anymore you know, anytime I've done it, it's nothing compared to what social media does. And even just today on Facebook, Celebrity Duck. Before I called you, I did a new posting of all the six new ones that are coming in: mm-hmm. the Floating Stones, you know, I Love Ducky, the Pond Bombshell, the Material Bird, Ziggy Star Duck. Um, say hello to my little friend. If you know the movie, the parody of Scarface. I mean, we don't use. He's not holding a gun because my lady had the idea. We don't do violent things here. Say hello to my little friend. He's holding a little yellow duck that looks just like. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. As soon as she said that, I go, I got to do it. You know, and he's wearing a gold chain and sunglasses, just like you know the the main character. It's really cute. People love it. So you know, I just posted that on Facebook this morning. You know, the six of them, and I keep doing these posts. You build up a fan base. You keep nurturing that fan base. Everybody who comments, I write back to them. I know it's crazy. You know, you keep it lively. You engage people. Again, social media works best if you engage people and are a people person. So that's the key to business altogether, isn't it? you got to like people, right, Chloe? I mean, if you do, you'll go far.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, the tool top tip next, then. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug-in, a phone app, or just the way it's working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your outsource team more efficient from day to day?
0: You mean a an app or something, yeah. uh, something a technical part? I, Chloe, it's so old fashioned. I'm probably, I'm probably embarrassing myself. It is the telephone. I know it's old. <laughs> I actually get on the phone with people. I know it's really unusual. A lot of times people email, email. I say, listen, can, you just, can I just call you? Um, I do feel you can, I can move a lot faster without 100 emails back and forth of clarification if I can actually talk to somebody. So I know it's like an old lost art actually talking and everything's done in the email and customer service these days. A lot of companies, you can only get email. And by the way, most of those companies I won't deal with. If there's no customer service where I can't get to a live person, chances are that's a company I'm not working with. But I think the smart ones, the Netflix, even Amazon, they realize they have an added advantage if you can get to a live person. So that's been my model. And so I don't, You know, I'm not an app guy. I don't have all these high tech things, you know, but the phone I use like there's no tomorrow. I talk more than most people do. If a customer calls me and they want to quote on a custom job, I say, pick up the phone. I'll call you. I'll send you the note, the custom duck letter, but let me get on the phone with you and go over it with you. And I find that works fabulously with me and that's what has allowed us to really separate ourselves from our competition
1: okay i had a feeling craig you were going to say telephone i could see that one coming because we've had that a couple of times it's embarrassing
0: isn't it i'm dating myself i know it's embarrassing It's
1: good it's good uh because it is such it's such an important tool if you're going to be using outsourced team you can't just yeah. send them emails you've got to do that human part as well um okay you have the, to the startup top tip then if you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business what would be your first tip for them
0: e-commerce business well once again uh, you know as i was saying earlier you really have to focus like a laser on your niche you really have to know what you stand for um what is it? What makes you different? What makes you unique? You know what? What is it that you have? If you have just, I mean, and, and and not only is it is it different, but you have to find out before you even start your business. Do you have something? And a lot of people start businesses, Chloe, with honestly, the most god awful ideas. We have this show Shark Tank in the U.S. I don't know if you watch it in Australia. Yeah, uh, you we, know, we can get we on Shark have, Tank. Um...
1: Our equivalent is Dragon's Den, but yeah, we have the same thing.
0: You know it. I could get on this show, you know, and and and, but you know, I don't want to because I want to totally own my company. I'm, you know, I would like to control. I don't want to have partners. That's that's me. You know, it's just my model. But um, but with with the with the Shark Tank model, you see ideas that come on there, and you go. You got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Did you not run this idea by anybody else before you did this? And the sharks just they just want they let these people on yeah. just so they can just like tear it apart for the entertainment value. In other words, the number one thing in business before you start, you got to have a trusted network, a friend, someone who will honestly tell you that Dinks! It will <laughs> never work. It's an idiotic. You've got to have that one. Now I have that very fortunately in my lady friend. She's the most brutally honest and funniest person I've ever met in my life. And she, I mean, I don't do a thing, a thing in this business that I don't run by her for her input. Cause she, I, I so trust her. She's so on the zeitgeist and she's so mm-hmm. sharp. I really trust it. I have a few people like that that I trust. And those are the people, if I have a new duck, a new idea, I run it by. And you got to, if you were going to start a business, you must have that that, that capacity to have those people that you trust. If you don't have that, you're in a vacuum. And really, you're just in your own mind and you're creating things that may not have any value in the marketplace. And you'll end up spending a lot of money and a lot of time on a really stupid idea. So you can avoid that if you have really, really good people, that's the number one thing. Before you launch your business, make sure it's something people want. And then number two, once you do launch it, find a way to bulletproof it, to make it different from anything else out there. So you very, it's very hard for anyone else, if it is a great idea, to get into your space. And then the third thing is move quickly. To lock it up really quickly you know that's why i put up so many costume quackers i was i was saying i moved to all those companies to do their artwork mm-hmm. for the animation so you lock up the brand that even a bigger company will look at it and go oh, it's too much work they're already known out there in the social media they're they're the player uh, i'll move on to something else so that's the key once you do have your idea you got to move like lightning um, to lock it up because the social media, someone can see it a lot more quickly now. See, it's a blessing and a curse. You can be discovered easily, more easily and knocked off more easily if you don't move fast enough to lock up your niche.
1: Wow. Well, Masterplan World, what amazing advice. And you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Now, Craig, before we say goodbye, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please?
0: Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Chloe. Um, If you go to celebredux.com, uh C E L E B R I D U C K S dot com. It's a hard spell. Um, you can find our website and anybody wants to email me, I promise you I respond to every single person. And if you don't get a response, um, no, I didn't get it, and you can call me <laughs> and uh I actually answer the phone. Um you know one point actually funny enough, someone mm-hmm. once said to me when I was I he said to me, he says, Craig, he says if you're the largest publisher of artwork from television commercials in the country, how come every time I call I get you on the phone? <laughs> you know, <laughs> most people would be humiliated, right? I go I started me laughing. I go, "Why that I'm going to tell that story to everybody. It's so embarrassing." I go, "Because it's my business model. It's very unique. I actually like to talk to people. I like to be the one they talk to so I get feedback from them. I actually like Talking to people. So anyway, if you call, you actually good chance you'll get me. And so um, our phone number, our email address is on every page on the website. Unlike most websites where they hide the phone number, you have to go through like ten pages to find the number. It's on the top of every page in big bold writing. So the email, it's all there. The contact information, our Facebook page, Celebrity Ducks, you know, facebookcom ducks Twitter, Celebrity Ducks. We are very easy to find.
1: Oh, marvellous. We'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Plan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Craig, thank you so much for being on the show today and being so generous sharing your diverse experience with us. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Oh, Chloe, thank you so much for having me on and, and making the time and changing around your schedule to make it work for me. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Wow, what a fascinating dive into the world of B2B wholesale product licensing design. I think we covered a lot of very interesting topics there with Craig. Not a lot on the actual e-commerce front, but I think you'll agree that was a fascinating dive through some really interesting ideas. Definitely got me thinking on that front. Um, plus, really interesting to see the way in which he's handling the whole wholesaling into uh, resellers who are selling on b uh, the B sorry not the B two B platform on the Amazon platform, a really interesting approach there. So I hope you found that useful. If you're a B two B business, uh, then please do take a look at my brand new book, the B two B e commerce master plan, available on all the relevant platforms. It's a paperback, ebook, and audio book, and you can find out more about it at ecommercemasterplan.com dot forward slash b2b that's the number two uh right guys uh great to great to have you on this listening in on this podcast today and uh, i hope to catch up with you next week and for now keep optimizing
0: thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast find out more
1: at e-commerce